Thank you very much, Timothy. Thanks, Ashish, and everyone else. Welcome again this morning to London Family Centre in Jesus' name in these lockdown days. I think the government in the UK have um, proposed that on the 21st of June, officially, that all the, the restrictions will be removed. We hope that we can do something physical before that. Um, we'll have to wait and see with all the new lockdowns taking place across Europe, etc. But hopefully, I've had enough of this lockdown. I don't know about you, <laughs> enough already. So I'm desperate to get back together again. But God willing, keep praying every day and prophesying that we'll be able to get back in even before June. Yeah, as Tim was saying, you know, some words, as I bring words on a weekly basis for years, some words are collective. They're like for the church. It can be for LFC. It could be for VFC across Europe. And I can feel it in my heart, you know. But th this word today is very individual, highly specific, very personal, something that God wants to get to you. And that creates quite a battle for me, I feel, sometimes. It's a lot of warfare and preparation. And we've been praying for you for many days on this topic today. The title of today's message is the theory of creativity. Just looking at you and the creativity, the talents, the giftings that God has given you. They are many, many things, many talents that God has placed within us. But I have to say, a bit like love. Love can kill you or cure you. <laughs> love can be the best thing in your life or it can destroy you. It can cause you great joy and my oh my, it can cause you great pain. It's like marriage and relationships. They can be brilliant and they can be disastrous. They can be some of the worst and most painful things that people endure. So it is with giftings. So it is with talents. And you've all got one. <laughs> it can bless you or it can be an absolute cross that becomes torturous through your life. We've been talking about time, talents, and treasure. The things that God has, give us, has given us responsibility for, we use our time to glorify Him. Last, two weeks ago, we looked at our treasure. We use our finances in many ways to glorify God. That's its primary purpose. And today we're going to look at your giftings, your talents, and how we should use those. And I would say manage them very carefully. They're powerful. <laughs> manage them with great, great care, structure, and attention. Let me begin by quoting from Genesis chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female created he them. Now, God is undoubtedly a prolific creator. He's bursting with creativity. And I and you have been made in his image. That means within you, it's a well that you may never have tapped. It's a well that, like the rocks, like in Isaac's day, the well of creativity that resides within every human being is often blocked up clogged up and we'll see why in a moment these gifts these talents that god gives us are to glorify him to reveal him 
to tell each other about him, to tell the world about him. But sadly, as, as you can see in the Garden of Eden, God created Adam in his image, gave him many gifts and many talents, but that early society, they didn't do well with those giftings. They used their gifts for self-promotion, not to promote God, not to make God famous, <laughs> but to make themselves themselves famous. They built the Tower of Babel. So they had giftings in engineering and skills like that. And they were using their giftings, their building skills, their, their creative skills to build a great tower up to heaven. And they said, we will be like God. So look at the abuse right there from the beginning of time. We see how man corrupted and abused and took for himself the giftings that were given to glorify God. And God's response was the flood. Because things had gone drastically wrong. Man was going to be destroyed. God wiped out that um, generation all except eight people. And he began again. And I would remind you, <laughs> yes it was sin, but it was giftings. It was talents that were being abused to build and create that caused and brought on that flood, you know. And God brings that, and then he starts again after the flood. But after the flood in the society that comes from Noah, we see quite a different approach. Now gifts are accompanied by a lot of guidance. And you see that in Exodus, in Leviticus, and all over the New Testament. When the Apostle Paul and others mention giftings, it comes with it like medicine, you know, it comes with a warning on the box, comes with many warnings. Be careful of this, because if you don't handle it right, it can do you a lot of damage. And by the way, let me just say straight off the bat today, when you mention giftings to Christians, it's like something automatically in our mind thinks about prophecy, healing, you know, worship leading, raising the dead, speaking in tongues. Fine, no problem. But in Scripture, giftings cover every area. The Holy Spirit comes to inspire mathematicians, to inspire people in the finance world, to inspire artists. It comes to inspire anybody and everybody. So don't pigeonhole or box in God the Holy Spirit as he works and manifests in your life. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 31 verse 1. This is a very good example of this. Exodus chapter 31 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Beziel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Holy Spirit of God. To speak in tongues? Well, maybe. But look at what it says here. With skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of craftsmanship. To design artistic works of gold, silver, and bronze. To cut gemstones and to carve wood. Just one example there of how someone being filled with the Holy Spirit. And God specifies, I have filled this man with the Holy Spirit to become a, a sculptor and a creator of great works of art. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, you see how God 
inspires some people. He gives giftings to some people in the area of finance. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But then you are to remember that the Lord your God is the one who gives you the talent. The Lord is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth so that he can confirm his covenant as he promised through his forefathers. Now, the problem starts for me as, as, we, re, as we receive salvation or we become aware of our giftings, there's almost a sense as, as if here I am and here's my gifting. But when these two things become one, when I start to take personal ownership or credit personally for the things that God has equipped me to do, this for me is where the problem begins. I think there's almost intended to be a slight divine separation between you and the almighty beautiful giftings of God and that you should not and I should not take credit as it were or personal credit for these things. We've all got them and we need to handle them very carefully. I look at, I mean, don't take what I'm about to say the wrong way, <laughs> but I look upon my gifting as something I go to, I use, and then I get on with the rest of my life. A bit like a cash machine, excuse my analogy. But the money in the bank is my money. So I go with my card, when I need the money, I need to use the money, I put the card in the machine and I take the money out and I use the money. But I don't live my life beside the cash machine. It's always there, it's always available, they don't take it from me. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, they'll always be there. But I don't live 24 hours a day standing by the cash machine. And in the same way, my gifts are available to me, but there's a lot more to my life. I'm a husband, I'm a, a, you know, a father, I'm this, I'm that, and I need to respect that or it has tragic uh, consequences in the lives of many believers. I want to open up this morning with six points that I think it's very important for us to recognize and see concerning the history of giftings and talents and how they can be fantastic but they can also be very destructive. For me the, the first character of significance here is Lucifer. Lucifer was in the, in the worship team. <laughs> Good morning worship team. Lucifer, talk about gifting, Lucifer is probably the most gifted thing, the most gifted being thing that God ever created. It says in Ezekiel, you were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and you were perfect in beauty. Imagine that. You were in Eden, you were in the Garden of Eden. I put every precious stone upon you. And music was found in you. The workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes was heard. And God had created these before you were even created, he said. So you can imagine this being. What God says was beautiful beyond belief. Equipped with wisdom and, and splendor. And what does this being do? Pride. Pride. Great gifting can bring great pride. And Lucifer began to take on to himself the credit 
for that which God had given him to glorify God. And Lucifer said, I will arise onto the mount of the Most High. I will become like God. And right there, even before we see mankind come, we see the danger of the abilities that God gives us to corrupt us personally and to destroy our relationship with God. So, in the flood, as I say, it was partly gifting that caused that. And here we have Lucifer falling down with an inability to handle the same thing, your gifts and your talents. For me, it's interesting looking at the history of the development of giftings. People who have fantastic abilities. The Greeks, in Greek mythology, the gifting of a person was always separate from them. The Greeks separated the gift from the person. They, they used to call it a daemon, D-A-M-O-N. And in their mythology, Greek mythology, if someone was a great artist, they would say, ah, this person has a daemon. That's where the name Damien comes from. If you've seen Omen, you know, the movie Omen um, and Damien, that's where they get that name from. And a daemon comes upon him. And for a moment, he's inspired with brilliance. And he creates great paintings, okay? But the Romans had this same concept. Within Roman theology also, the, the, the gift of a person, the talents of a person, were somewhat separate. They called it a genius. That's where the word comes from, Roman mythology. And if someone had a spectacular gift in music or something like that, in Roman mythology, they used to teach and believe that this brilliant singer or songwriter, a genius comes upon him and he begins to create. But then the genius goes and he's back to Mr. Normal again. So historically, there was a consideration that these things were separate. But in history, everything changed with a period called the Renaissance from about the 14th century to the 17th century. And in that period, God kind of went out the window, you know? And everything was just what we see, and man became the center of the universe. We became, you know, egocentric. And we could only see ourselves, didn't believe in God, didn't recognize that talents and giftings came from God. The Greeks said that someone has a genius, has a daemon, has a skill. The Romans said someone has a genius, but in the Renaissance, suddenly we started to say someone is a genius. Someone is. And we made the two things synonymous. And this is the heart of the problem. The very thing that happened with Lucifer begins to happen even with Christians, that we take personal credit that we are something special or we are different from everybody else. And this inherently has some drastic consequences. Also in history, we had the Industrial Revolution, which whether you understand it or not, it's drastically changed the world in which we live. Suddenly art, you know, dropped down the level of importance and we needed, we needed a workforce. After the Industrial Revolution, we needed mechanics and machinists and engineers. And the education system that you grew up in and I grew up in was created. And within the current educational system, and I believe this is true for every country in the world, there's a hierarchy of importance. There's a hierarchy of investment. 
Level one, mathematics, languages, sciences, and humanities. These get high priority when you were in school and me. Level two, art and music. Level three, dance and drama. And your children go to school, they probably won't get dancing every Monday, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but they will get mathematics. They will get math and they will get the sciences. And art got kind of, creativity got kind of knocked down the ladder of importance. And you know why? Because if somebody's painting, if a child is painting a painting and the child says, I'm going to be an artist, the father says, you're not going to make any money doing that. <laughs> the child starts singing, I'm going to be a singer. No, no, I want you to be this, that and the other. You're not going to make any money doing that. And so education became about productivity, not about creativity. And I tr truly, friends, I'm talking to the parents this morning. Please listen, parents. What has God gifted your children in? And it's like a candle, a gentle little flame on a candle sometimes, I think. We can blow out, snuff out that germ of creativity within our own children. But be careful. Be very careful. We went to see Phantom of the Opera before lockdown, of course. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's an absolute masterpiece. Now, the choreography of that musical, plus Cats, plus many other world-famous musical, they were created by a woman called Gillian Lynn, who's a close, lifelong friend of Andrew Lloyd Webber. But when Gillian Lynn was eight years old, she would sit in, you know, maths class or geography, and Gillian Lynn used to do this. And they used to annoy the teachers, obviously. So they'd say, Gillian, stop moving. Yeah, but she just couldn't contain the music within herself. So she, and in the end, it got so bad, they summoned her mother to come to the school. And little Gillian is sitting in the headmaster's office. She arrived first. And they're waiting for the mum to come so they can tell her to stop dancing. Now, she's only eight. <laughs> and when she sat in the headmaster's office, the, mu the radio was on. And there was music. And the little girl, and she couldn't stop moving to the music. Thank God for that headmaster. The mother came. And the headmaster said, Mom, <laughs> this child has got a gift. This child has got a talent. Look at her. She's bursting. You need to take her to a specific dance school. You need to work with this. Do you know the mum didn't want to do it? They were, no, 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 no. She's not going to make any money doing that. You know what I mean? You can hear the thinking. She needs to get a career. She needs to get a profession. Well, that is a career. Send her to dance school. But the mother did it. Gillian Lynn is one of the most, she's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. She died recently. Used to live in Marlebone right here. Multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Okay? And was able to get her gifting recognized by someone who knew what they were doing. Thank God for that. But I would ask you yourself, reconsider what giftings you may have. And don't let life, you know, blow out the flame of creativity with which you have been created by God for his glory. Now, the next part of what I want to say, 
for me is incredibly sad very very sad when people fail to separate themselves from their talents when people take personal credit for the giftings that were given from God to glorify him everything begins to fall apart and just in modern history have you got any idea the number of artists painters authors musicians singers who even after five years of operating in their gift they committed suicide have you had any idea that there are hundreds and hundreds of people who couldn't manage to live with their giftings here's a list of artists and painters like vincent van gogh <laughs> john milton here's a list of comedians comedic geniuses like robin williams who killed himself recently tony hancock spike milligan here's a list of authors which is very long these are writers people who have a gift john benjamin killed himself virginia wolf who lived down here in tavistock square walter benjamin ernest hemingway all brilliant people all people who discovered their talent but all people who couldn't live with their talent that, that that's just the authors the musicians look at the list there's hundreds of musicians and singers hundreds and hundreds of them who killed themselves when they realized their gifts Janis Joplin Jim Morrison Keith Moon Phil Lynott Amy Winehouse just up here in Camden right this is where she lived all her life this is where she did all her writing right here very sad and what's happening here is the very same thing that happened Lucifer and happened Adam in the Garden of Eden when a man or a woman you discover the gifting the the, 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 the the sheer brilliance of that gifting within you you must have some sensible degree of separation and then you can live a long life that glorifies God don't take this road in LFC we are bursting at the seams with talents this church is bursting with talents and therefore all the more need for us to be careful with this let me they're the negative examples are there any positive examples yeah yeah many positive examples I produced this little document yesterday just as a separate study on Albert Einstein who even though brilliant remained normal all his life you know that he died an old man in America he had to flee because of the Holocaust but he never became weird he was famous for being normal even though brilliant I think of Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is famous for being incredibly normal. He's got 80 billion. <laughs> Warren Buffett goes to McDonald's every day. Goes to McDonald's every day. Has a little burger in the morning for breakfast. He drives a Toyota Camry and he lives in a pretty normal house. He's never changed his life. He never at any point took the genius of his operation into himself and let it destroy him. Neither did Einstein. I tell you what both of these people are doing they are praising the process not themselves Warren Buffett is talking about buying a McDonald's and by the way he always buys the burger that's on offer so there's 20 cent reduction every day he buys the one that's 20 cents less because it saves him 20 cents okay never mind <laughs> but he's famous for being ordinary do you know why he buys the cheaper burger the process 
the process. He, un- he, he sees the process as separate from him. And that's how he became mega, mega wealthy. You know, Einstein, he doesn't see himself so much as a genius. He's, he's respecting, you know, on that chalkboard, respect the equation, which is quite separate from me. And failure to do this, friends, results in what they call the tortured genius. Now, forgive me if that's a complex introduction. It's a complex and incredibly important topic. My wife here is like an ideas machine. I worked in a plastic bucket factory once and I had to sit under this bucket machine. And that machine used to spit out buckets and they were hot and I had to catch them. And I couldn't catch them quick enough. If I ask her for an idea, she's like that bucket machine. She starts shooting more ideas. Okay, slow down, slow down. It's like a fountain of creativity comes pouring out. I'm glad to see that because it means you're in touch with the wells that reside within all of us, reside within you, every one of you listening. So I want to give you some guidelines, some some tips, some hints from my perspective in sustaining in your gifting over a long period of time and not being destroyed by it. Number one, for me, creativity is as important as literacy. But for parents and for schooling, it's just not perceived that way. And I'll come back to that in a moment. Children think expansively. They don't have limits until, you know, schooling can put them in a box (laughs) with presumption and constraints and boxes. Get in your box like Gillian Lynn, the very same thing. So be careful. We are all made in the image of God. And he is the ultimate creating machine. And you have that within you. So take ownership of it. Secondly, I would say, be wise and create a a distinction between the gifting God has given you and you. So if people try to praise you because you've got a great voice, or people try and praise you because of your skill in your workplace or whatever it might be, be don't take the road of Lucifer. Don't take personal credit, but praise God Almighty. Thirdly, I would say each of us needs to care for ourselves holistically, body, soul, and spirit. And again, just thinking of worship leaders and the many who have had, you know, bad outcomes, to be honest with you, in their lives, I think of a worship leader called Whitney Houston. Her mother was a worship leader. And you can see the original videos. You can watch her leading the worship in the church. And many people used to say, Well, you're special. You're so different. And this began to become her persona. And then she started to move outside the church. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. I gave you giftings to glorify me, girl. And the giftings began to become, number one, personalized. And then they're taken, they're exported outside the church. And then the whole holistic thing just, it's gone. And we watched recently the documentary on her life just from curiosity, because for me, it's, I hate to see people's giftings destroying them. 
And uh, have you seen the movie The Bodyguard with Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston? They made a movie about her. The actual bodyguard, there was a real bodyguard around her life. And in the documentary we watched, this bodyguard was interviewed and, he sa and they said to him, what destroyed? She was brilliant. Her voice was exceptional. How come she ended up, you know, with an overdose in a bath? And by the way, that room was chaotic. That hotel room was a disastrous mess. How could someone so gifted, how could someone so talented end up there? Wasn't anybody teaching her how to manage her gifts? In the church, was she, was she exalted as something special? Was that thought put in her head? And the bodyguard's answer for me was sad but fascinating. They, he, they were asking him in the documentary, why did she die so young? And his answer was, because no one looked after the whole life. The gifting began to erode every part of who she was. She had no life. It became her persona. And then she, like Elvis Presley or any of the others, they found it almost impossible to separate their stage persona from the rest of their lives. When they were operating in their gifting on a platform, Whitney Houston began to come off, but she wouldn't come out of the zone. I married her because she knows the difference between me now, when I'm talking to you and preaching and gifting, she knows the difference between this mic and the real mic. This, please understand what I mean. There, there is the expression of your gifting but believe me, that is not the person that I am. The real nice, the real Mike is a really nice guy. He's a really nice guy, honest. <laughs> Just joke. But you need to be able to do that. You need to be able to do that. You need to function in your gifting, but don't you start getting confused. Uh-uh. Don't you start taking on that which belongs to God now, will you? You need to have a distinction. Someone who's going to fall in love with a stage version or the gifting version of anyone is on a road to disaster. And that's why the relationships of so many super gifted people, they see them in a, in a movie, this brilliant actor, you read the book, this brilliant author, and they fall in love with a fictitious thing. You know, it's not the real person. So there's a huge need for all of you, and you're gifted. LFC is incredibly gifted. But there's a huge need for you to take a responsibility for your holistic health. And to be honest, I don't care if you can sing. Are you a good mother? I don't care if you can dance. Are you a good father? How are you outside of your gifting? And the failure to manage this has caused the demise, and I mean even to suicide, of all these names of people who couldn't handle it. They, they didn't know how to manage it. Don't go down that road. The fourth thing I would say about managing our gifting, and this, a lot of these points, Mary's came from her this week as we were praying. The fourth point I would say is be accountable. I know you're gifted, but you're still accountable. 
I know you're the best author, the best dancer, the best whatever, but you still must be accountable. Listen, today I oversee many churches and I'm on Zoom all the time talking with people and I've done that for decades. Have you got any idea the number of people who are incredibly gifted and also excuse themselves in sin? I give you an example of a worship team because it often happens within the area of worship. That's just a fact. It's true. I could have a guy, and I've had this experience many times, I could have a guy who's the best singer you've ever heard. Man, listen to that voice. He's also a guitarist. He's brilliant. And he writes his own music. I mean, listen to him. And then I discover that he's sleeping with his girlfriend, for example. So I go up to him and I say, can I just talk to you? I, I hear you're in fornication. I said, well, I, I, I have a relationship with my girlfriend. And I will confront him and say, sir, you can't do that. Do you know, every time the look on the face is the same. The people look at me with disbelief. And I can hear their thinking. They're thinking, didn't you hear me just singing just now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, and what they mean is, the rules don't apply to me because I'm gifted. Um, wrong. The gifting, you're you, and the gifting came upon you to glorify God, but you must still be accountable. You're accountable at the same level as everybody else. And if your gifting starts to talk to you, that in some way you're excused, you're excused this way because you're so special. This leads to the destruction of many people, particularly in music, as you'll see statistically right here from this list. I never endorse that delusion within people. I never endorse because it's a delusion. It's a destructive delusion that if you observe over time, you will see the people who consider themselves special will end up in a mess because you're not. The gifts were given to you. You're a man. You're a woman. And the gifts were given to you to glorify God. That's it. And the greater the giftings, the more powerful they are, the more careful you need to be. And you know what I would say to that worship leader? You know what this is all about? It's not all about you. It's about servanthood. Your gifts were given to you to serve the church. And the best antidote for that pride, that delusion that's rising up within you, do you know the best antidote? Serve. Serve in the morning, serve in the afternoon, and serve in the evening. That will bring you into a sense of reality about the giftings you have. Be careful. Service should be central in how you view your gifting and how you embody it. The other thing I would say is for those of you who are gifted, and many of you, you all are, but some of you are operating in those giftings, set biblical boundaries in your, let's say you're a dancer, okay? Be careful to have biblical and moral guidelines around your dance. I've been to many events in different countries, and I look at the dance team, they come up and I think, oh Lord, <laughs> um, <clears throat> please, don't sexualize a dance that is performed for the glory of God. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Can I see some hands here this morning? Do not sexualize. You have no place taking your gifts and your talents and abusing them. You come in a long line of people before you. 
Go and study the history of creativity and talents. It begins with Lucifer. And it begins with an Adam taking upon themselves and corrupting the talents they were given, causing them to become worldly. If you're going to sing, I want to hear you singing to God. And girls, if you're going to get on a platform, make some biblical boundaries with the clothes that you wear. That they're not going to be sexualized or suggest, uh, suggestive in any way. If you're going to operate in the business world, and many of you do, and you're gifted and you're brilliant in the business world, set some ethical boundaries. Set ethics. I will not do this. I know everybody's doing it. I know that. I understand that. And you will be approached. It happens. Why don't we, you know, do this wrong and that wrong? And you need to have a, a, a really a, a, a mind like King David. I set my mind like flint. I will not break these ethics. Rather, I'll go and get another job. I'll do something else if they're going to tear me down. So, in your music, have biblical boundaries. In your dress, in your dance, in your business, whatever your skill is, make a commitment today that you will operate in it, but you're not going to... You're not going to abuse it or corrupt it in a worldly sense. Can I say, you have a responsibility. I'm talking to every individual now. Please listen to me. I'm talking to you personally. You have a responsibility to reveal to the world the God that you see. Because only you see that. <laughs> only you can perceive that dimension of God. You have my Bible, please. Only you perceive God in the way that you perceive God. No one else can perceive him like that. Here's a three-dimensional object. Okay? Now, from, from my dimension, from my perspective, I can see this here. But you can't see it. You can't see it. Only I can. She can't see it. So my responsibility is to explain to the world what I see no one else can see. Now, she can see this. But you can't see it. So she needs to explain God from her perspective. Now you guys, you can see this, but we can't see it. My point is God is not three-dimensional. He's omnidimensional. Every human being has a unique perspective on him. And every, unique, every human being, through the gifts and the talents that God has given you, is responsible to bring that to the world. You are unique completely in that sense. And use your talents to bring that to mankind, to the church and to the world. Number eight, and eight, I'll send you notes later, so don't, don't, don't panic on taking notes. Creativity is my healing space. When I'm in what they call flow, when I'm in my creative mode, when I'm in my creative mood, my body is healed. My soul is well. I feel great. It's a great thing. We were praying this morning. Can you see the youth of today? You see how sick the youth are today? And how lost, how they wander and, you know, aimlessly? And one part of me just sees a lack of creativity. Many of our teens... Once they get past 14, what do they call it? The fourth grade slump, right? Once that creativity starts to move to productivity because of the academic structure, many teens start to withdraw to their room. They become recluse. They come home. They stop talking to their parents. 
And they start to withdraw even from society and they become almost automated. Be careful. Let Find your child's creativity and make room for them to express themselves and encourage that. Let them be whatever it is God has intended for them to be and trust God to provide for them. Some of you this morning may say, I've never found my gifting. I, I don't know what my gifting is. I've never been able to discover it. I empathize with that. I understand that. A few questions I would ask you. What giftings did your parents have? It could well be, because I'm... I, I, every day I get more like my father. <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know? What giftings? Could be. Now, you could be brand new. You could have a completely start a whole new line. No problem. But it could be, could be that your mother was a great pastor, Tim. Could be. Could be that you were raised, that God put you in a line of someone who would look after people. My dad, this is what he did. He prayed. He spent time with God. And that was part of the fingerprint on me. So if you have never found yourself, it's worth a thought. What did your parents do? What were the giftings in your family line? Another thing I would do as you find your gift, for heaven's sake, get a mentor, not a pastor. Not a pa You've got a pastor. Pastors are everywhere. Mentors are much more hard to find. A mentor is the person who's gifted in the same way. I can't dance for example. So if you're a dancer, I can't help you. You need to find someone else, believe me. So whatever your area is, don't look to the pastor for everything. That's just, you know, ridiculous. You need to find a mentor in that area. What was your family history and giftings? Get, find your gift and get an error. And I would say to you, for heaven's sake, take notes. Take notes. I'm sad, but this morning I remembered, I really regret what I did. Why did I do that? Uh, normally when we're out and we're walking, we're praying, and if I get a thought, I get an inspirational thought. She always says, put it in your phone. <laughs> put it in your phone, quick, it'll get away. Put it in your phone. So we write it in my notes in my phone, you see? The funny thing about inspiration, when God speaks to you, there's a little bit of judgment with that for me. I, it, it, it's almost like a fish. It can slip. Oh, it slipped away. I almost got it. <laughs> I almost had it. And it got away on me. So I think God holds us highly responsible when he honors us by coming close to us to speak. I was walking through UCL, University College London. I was busy talking to different people and doing different stuff. And suddenly from nowhere, a song of the Lord, you know how it is. A song began to rise up in my spirit. I began to sing in the spirit. And I was busy. And I thought in my mind, I'll come back to that in a moment. And I got on with what I'm doing. I tell you, when I turned, that song was nowhere to be found. And I prayed, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. It never came back. Never came back. Learning how to handle giftings. Learning how to operate in talents. You write everything down. She's got volumes and volumes of stuff. I keep all of my notes because it's important to me. But when, you, when God honors you by speaking something to you, get the thing down on paper. Make the vision clear. Write it down. Another thing I would say, for heaven's sake, experiment because you may not know your own giftings. 
You know, a few months ago here in LFC, one of our women called Tanaya, she just gave a little bit of a testimony. It was about five minutes, 10 minutes. That was it. But as I was watching her, I you know, turned around and said, she's gifted, you know, this woman's gifted. Listen to that. But she's got no awareness of that. She's not conscious of that. So then when Mother's Day was coming up, I just sent her a text. You should preach on Mother's Day. And then she sent me a message saying she was leaving the country and going into hiding and I will never be able to find her. <laughs> she was terrified of that. So we did some time on Zoom. I said, look, don't be afraid of the gifting. Manage the gifting. Okay? Now, do you know what? We have a little WhatsApp group where we organize the church and that little message went out next Sunday. You know, Tim and Angela are doing the worship, blah, 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 and Tanaya's preaching. Do you know how many messages I had from people saying, what great, fantastic, great choice. Good, good job, Pastor Mike. This is a good choice. My point is everybody recognizes it. Everybody recognizes it. But Tanaya herself did not. She did not recognize it. So you may need to experiment with some things. Break up some new ground. What were your family's giftings? These things often run in families. Get yourself a mentor. Write it down. You may need to experiment. Just try something new. Who cares if it's a disaster? Who cares? In a moment, I'm going to sing you a song. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> try something new. Try something different. Experiment and you'll break up new ground. And what I'm going to say, my closing point is this, and I don't want you to dismiss me on this. <clears throat> Spend time with God in your gifting. Spend time with God in your gifting. Because if you don't, the trouble with having a gifting, you're susceptible to influence. That's the problem. If you have a gifting, you know, if you're an engineer, for example, everything to do with engineering is fascinating to you because it's your, it's your, you know, we value what we do, we do what we value. You become a sponge to everything to do with the area of your gift and talent. Now, the problem is, if I'm gifted, say I'm a singer, if I don't discipline myself to soak up from God, I will automatically soak up from the world. I'm automatic. If I'm into music and I'm listening to worldly music because it's my gifting, you're going to bring that you're automatically going to absorb it. And then you're going to be writing songs that sound to everybody else as if they're from the world. You need to take your gift. You need to spend time with God in your gift and get the, the influence over your gifting should be God who gave you the gift. And then you bring it back to God to glorify him. That's how this works. When, if, you, if you write a song and you're being influenced by a goodness knows who and you in your head this is good, it's not good because as soon as you, you stand up, everybody's going to see and hear and know your influences. They're not godly influences, they're worldly influences. Whether it's dance, dress, music, everything about you is coming out of your interest, your passion. But you've got to police those which influence. Take your time. I, I do this every day. True or false? Yes. Every day. Ev this is where my father comes in. Every day of my life. I can't live unless <coughs> I have time alone. You know, I am a creative. I've been a creative for 30 years. 
and consistently so and I'm still alive <laughs> hallelujah thank you Jesus but there's a distinction between what I do and who I am a very healthy distinction and people will often say you know are you an introvert or an extrovert I am a creative that means I am both an introvert and an extrovert they all are you must accept that it means I'm an introvert because every morning I get up and I go and sit on my own alone introverted in my in the presence of God alone just me and him this is a demand in any relationship and in that time I'm, I'm gaining his influence at this moment one o'clock on Sunday I'm an extrovert I'm an extrovert I'm talking to you and you need to you need to acquire the material acquire it in your introvert time with him your introspective time when it's just you and God but then also be aware that there is an extrovert side to all giftings where you express yourself absolutely fine what was your family get yourself a mentor write everything down and don't dishonor the gift or the, 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 the honor God gives you by speaking to you on anything be willing to experiment watch your influences and I would say for me this is important you may need to create for yourself a creative space now I've written eight books <clears throat> and everybody knows that but few people know that I wrote them all in the same place the same pl physical place it's called tinderbox we went there for coffee recently it's in Byers Road in Glasgow it's a coffee shop beautiful place it's good the guy died recently actually the, the, the founder there's one in Tottenham Court Road here in London he's done very well he created something beautiful I think it's a nice atmosphere I would drive six miles from my house <laughs> six miles long way I pass a hundred coffee shops just to go to the one place why do you do that well God spoke to Jeremiah God said Jeremiah I want to speak to you go to the potter's house huh why don't you speak to me here just speak to me here why did Jeremiah have to go to some place I don't know I don't know for, for me I just can't do it can I? I have to get out to a place and a space that works for me so when I move in different cities I will try this place try that ah there we go <laughs> that works I don't understand that but it works you may need to create for yourself a creative space I know that's difficult but uh, and that just not just for a physical space but also time and this is harder for women than it is for men sorry don't shout at me it's just a fact men are ten times more creative in the arts and sciences than women ten times more creative and I think the reason for that is babies they get knocked off with babies they get distracted with multitasking and all that and uh, gifts and talents can be suppressed and forgotten and that's a sad thing to me so women you may have to work harder to gain that time and gain that space but I, you will certainly not regret it I need that space and I need it separate because that's my creative moment don't answer this question out loud I can't hear you anyway <laughs> so um, when are you at your most creative when when are you when do the juices flow when do you enter into that moment you know when you know when you ask people that question do you know what they say when I'm in the bath 
when I'm going for a walk, when I'm listening to music and I'm on the underground going wherever. Do you know what no one ever, do you know what no one ever says? When I'm in work. <laughs> when I'm in work. When I'm in work, I'm productive. I'm the best producer in my office. Productive but not creative. And so for me, creativity needs discipline, it needs effort, it needs time. And I do not begrudge that. I, I, I give that happily and freely as I've seen the result so often. I'll send you notes this afternoon. <clears throat> What's my theory of creativity and remaining in a safe life so that I can continue to produce and not go crazy as many before me have done? I need to understand the history here. God began, but even before man was created, one of the most super gifted beings was Lucifer. And he took the praise for himself. Then we see Adam. And they wanted to take that tree, the one thing that was forbidden. They wanted to take it to gain more for themselves. Then we come to the great example of how to manage the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. I do nothing of myself. Whatever you see, glorify God. Oh, you're so good. Only God is good. Only God is good. Jesus always stepping aside. This is the Jesus part. Stepping aside and glorifying God. Each of you are phenomenally gifted. But so few people in history find that and express it. And of the people who do, ah, they don't know how to handle it. So few last. So take it seriously. As parents, don't blow out the candle within your child if it begins to express itself. Nurture it and grow. If you've never found your gift, then go on an adventure like Tanaya. Try something new, something different. And may God blossom you. Keep those boundaries in place, guys. Uh, biblical boundaries for the expression and the production of everything you do, no matter what that field may be. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Tim. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Pastor Mike.